0: Hello and welcome to the Into the Desert podcast, where we talk to inspiring people and hear their stories of motivation, courage, drive, productivity, and how their environment dictated their performance. Today's guest has spent over 10 years studying the best global courses on human nature and has coached hundreds of people on how to overcome fear and create joy. Today, he makes engaging art and film, films that help men overcome their mental health hurdles. Ahmed, how are you doing? Good to
1: see you. I'm very good, Freddie. Thanks for having me on your show, man.
0: I'd love to hear a little bit of background to start with about your your current business, what you're currently up to.
1: Well, so like you, I mean, you did a wonderful introduction there. Like what I'm currently up to is is the whole mission is to help young men beat fear and find joy in their life. And I feel like we live in a world today where there's a lot of focus on the problems and challenges. And there's not a lot of focus on how do we actually grow and challenge ourselves and get through these challenges and that's what i want to focus on because like you say i have spent a lot of my time doing that for myself and i find i'm really good at teaching others what i've learned Mm,
0: that's amazing so so how did you sort of get into it what was the what was the crux or what what set you off
1: oh man that takes me right back so for Mm -hmm. me i was i guess for some reason i always felt shy growing up and you know, as you're going through high school and then, you know, university, always feeling like, you know, want to talk to more people. And also there's dating and relationships, but just in general, making friends, talking to more people. So that for me was where it really began. And one of the first um, one of the first things I ever did was go into the library and like look for a book. And the first thing that I saw was a book by a lady called Susan Jeffers called um, mm-hmm. Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And that was literally one of the first self-awareness books I've read. But from that point onwards, it kind of sparked something in me where it made me think, huh, you can learn. Like, you can improve and you can study confidence or awareness. And, and, and so from there, I guess I just went on a path where I wanted to learn more, expand more, and I've always had an interest in personal growth. So like, that's that's what took me on that journey. It was, I was going to say, selfish one to begin with. It was very much – but then looking around, I noticed as I – the further I got on my journey, I, I realized that a lot of men, especially, struggle with the same problems that I had been struggling with. And I was at least at a point where I could share what I had learned. And that's where it really started.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing that you could even have the awareness to, to see that coming, to see that, that journey was one that you should follow and go down. Because, like you say, so many people struggle with, you know, uh, emotions and the stresses of everyday life. And they don't have the support. They don't know where to go, do they? So, um, you know, I think that's a really, really powerful mission to be on. Um, in the intro there, we mentioned a few of the courses, or, or I'd like to know more of the courses that you've been on. You know, you've, you've been on these incredible courses globally. What, what's the ones mm. that stand out to you?
1: Well, I think there's some definitely, I've done a lot, right? But like, I think definitely the key ones that have contributed to my life and the way that I live today, I'd, I'd have to say one of the first ones, and I'm not recommending any particular course to anyone because I've got to be honest, Like, what i found is everyone has their own path. So, you know, you got to do what's right for you. And and I followed whatever path I followed. But the first one was a course uh, by a company called Landmark Education. And this was in London. And it was, um, I guess what their focus was on like, what is it, what's behind us existing as human beings? like, And the way they used to describe it was like, if you write with a black pen on a whiteboard, what is that whiteboard? that allows that black pen to show up. So it's, they, they called it the closest thing to what they say was like ontology, the study of of the human experience. So uh, that's where it really began for me. And that's where certain things like the idea of our thoughts and feelings are not real and they're not who we are start, like, is where I started to get an understanding about the mind and how the mind works and questioning, well, if I'm not my thoughts and feelings, then who am I? And then later, and I, like the more recent thing um, that I studied, which has had the most profound impact on me, is uh, by a company called Natural Success, and the 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 man who runs it, his name is William Whitecloud, and that's all about the idea that we all have this natural ability to create in alignment with our own natural talents and abilities in life, and often from young we are wounded against our own abilities. And so then we grow up with this idea that we can't fully trust our natural abilities. And then if we're able to see past that and reclaim them, then we can live life in alignment with actually something that brings us joy. And so in a way, the work I'm doing today is an amalgamation of everything I've learned from that first course and that last course and then blending it into art, because that is my that's my thing. That's my truth that I lost a long time ago.
0: Yeah. And you just touched on it there. So you're talking about art there. So what, what is it that you're actually doing You know, today with the arts and the films that we've just touched upon there? How does that help uh, the people we spoke about earlier?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, the, so the thing for me is, like I said, I've studied loads of different courses and and I'm sure you've come across different things in your life and, and whatnot. Right. And and, you know, some of these courses you're going in, and you're either sitting down for days on end or you're, you're it's real kind of academic And you're, you know, you're learning, there's a lot of reading or or you're listening to lectures or whatever. And in my own way, I guess what I've discovered is another way to communicate these ideas. And the first way that that came up for me was by creating a character, which I refer to as Shookman. And so Shookman, for me, he symbolizes, he's like the face of our fears and anxieties, So I don't know about you, Freddie, but like for me and a lot of people I speak to, they have this little voice in their heads that tells them what they can and can't do when they have like a really cool idea. And over time, for me, I put a face and a name to that voice, and that's that's Shook Man. And what that did is that allowed me to interact with that. And And the way in which that helped me, and it's helping other people, is you start to disassociate from this essentially bundle of emotions that you have inside of you and you're able to understand it as something that you experienced and that you have created in your psyche from young and and then you're able to to learn and appreciate and you know even accept certain parts of you that then allow you to grow beyond your fears and frustrations so then the idea with media and and art is rather than talking about this or like teaching this in this way it's about using story form and using art to create a way for people to engage with this knowledge. It's kind of like a Trojan horse, I suppose. It's like you know you're watching something or you're you're um, you're engaging with something, and you're learning, but without it being overtly a, a course or an education. It's just something that's part of the fabric of reality.
0: That's actually really incredible. I was once told um, some advice that you've got some stress or you know, worries in your life is to immediately write them down in, in, in a notes on your phone and call it, thank you for the thought. And almost mm. like you're saying there now, you know, you try to, name, try to name the issue, give it a name, and then you put it down in this note called thank you for your thoughts. You write the issue, whatever you're worried about or stressed about, and then remember to come back to it and answer the question. So in, I don't know, two days, two hours, three weeks, you come back and answer yourself. So if it was, you know, you're nervous about doing public speaking, <coughs> You write that down, and then in three weeks' time, you come back to it and be like, you know, I really shouldn't have been worried. Um, that was anxiety because I was worried about what people are going to think of me, which is very different to, you know, worried that someone's going to shoot me. It's very different. You've got to understand and learn from all of your nervousness and anxiety and all the feelings, that's just one example. Um, so yeah. I, really, I really resonate with what you're saying there. And I think the shook man is a really cool concept because you're showing to everyone else the way that you've done it, which is often a lot easier than someone's being told to do something right.
1: Yeah, the, the and, and look what you just said there is is one of the most um magical and powerful aspects of what I'm what I'm doing is like you say, if you tell someone something, like logically, we can be very defensive uh, uh, against an idea. It's like, oh no, that won't work for me, or oh, you know, X, Y, and Z reason as to why. You know, like even like you saying, Oh hey, you know, you should write something down. Like some people be like, Oh, that's amazing, but other people be like, Oh no, you know, I can't possibly, or yeah. et cetera, et cetera, right? But then with, with this idea of of man, you're not even telling. It's, it's more of, uh, I suppose in a way I was saying to you in the, in the preamble, like one of my gifts, my gifts is being open and vulnerable. And in a way I'm going first. I'm sharing like, hey, this is how I see something and, and I'm sharing it. And then other people can see that as an, an, an artistic expression and they can relate to it inherently because we all have fears, worries, and doubts as part of the experience of life. And I think, especially for men, we struggle to own that part of ourselves because we're often taught that to be a man, you have to be like constantly confident and never show any sign of weakness, right? So, it's good to have something where you can engage with it, even in your own mind, and appreciate. Oh gosh, I'm 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 relating to this. I, I, you know, mm. like you just said that I resonate with this.
0: And so, when you've been doing all this coaching and mentoring. Is that something you've been able to build out based on what people have said? You know, they've struggled to come first after you've them to do something. They've struggled to do what you've said and you've said, right, you know, I'll show you the, the way. Is that something that's been built out through that process?
1: Well, the thing with coaching, um, so I've, I've coached in, in a lot of different capacities. And what I've, what I've discovered over time is the truth of coaching is everyone's unique. And the, the main thing really is about people getting a grip on what their personal resources are and what's going to like, what's going to facilitate them. Cause I could, you know, I could tell you how I did things, but everyone's unique, you know, like I'm very, like, I'm very visual. I'm very creative in my own way. And other people may not feel that way about themselves. So the best thing is always to facilitate someone finding their own, way their own path and everyone has their own solutions you know i think for most of us you know once you've been on the planet for like 20 30 something years you know you've you've ex- you've exposed yourself to a lot of a lot of what's available it's about really applying what you've learned and trusting yourself
0: yeah i really like that i think <clears throat> applying yourself and implementing things is where a lot of people go wrong they're happy to learn they become you know almost like course course junkies mm-hmm. or they read every single book they possibly can but they can't implement it you know, it's all, there's, there's not no point, but there's obviously less less that you're going to benefit from it. So that's really interesting. Something else that I've seen um, from from your content and stuff is the angel of joy. Mm. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So for the longest time, I focused on Shookman as a character and really starting to understand. Well, because you you got to think when I first started with this, it was a bit crazy. Like, what is this character? What am I putting out into the world? It's very different, right? And I've had to own that and um, and it, in, in, in many ways, people look at that and be like, that's quite negative. Like, what's what's up with this? Like, what's up with this scary-looking character? And for me, it's like, well, firstly, if I just touch upon the character, it's like making Shookman visible is actually what really helps. Because when you, when you make a fear visible, it takes the power out of that fear. And when you give it a name as well, again, you're taking the power out of that fear. You're, you're engaging with it a different way. With Angela Joy, what eventually became apparent to me was, you know, that's the, uh, th- like, that's the answer. So when you have fear, most often what people try and do is they try to manipulate themselves into action in some way, shape or form. So they're looking for strategies and ways in which they can overcome fear. You know, maybe they use the, the carrot or the stick, you know, like, oh, if I don't do this action, then I'm going to have to pay this much. Or if I do this and I can reward myself. And, and often, you know, sometimes that can work, but as a sustainable way to move forward in life, like it's not, I mean, it's not that, for me, it's not that like, fulfilling, right? And mm-hmm. what I discovered, though, through my, my time and learning is that the thing that propels us forward is our joy. It's something, you know, what we actually are excited about in life And in a way if you can't acknowledge your fears and your doubts and your worries then you can't actually also experience your higher emotions your joy and your happiness because if you're embarrassed about how you feel on the lower you're going to be equally embarrassed about how you feel about expressing that unbridled joy when you're out in front of people because you're going to be worried about their judgment still you say it's like it's it's like a spectrum but when you can actually start to acknowledge, okay, cool, I've got fears, then you can refocus your attention on what is it. But what is it that I would actually love to create? And then you're in alignment with uh, with things that you love and what you want to do. Like you were telling me about your business earlier, and it's clearly something you're passionate about, right? You don't have to cajole yourself into act, like into action with that, or you know, you're like, this is something that I want to wake up and I want to deliver to the world. And this is what I found with this concept for me before I came up with this concept of Shookman and the brand and stuff. I struggled in a circle with like, what is it that I want to do? And eventually when I aligned with the artistic aspect, the creative aspect and the message, I was aligned internally. And I found my joy in like, Oh, I actually just really enjoy doing this. I could sit for hours and and talk about this or draw or express all the different things I've learned.
0: Mm. I really, I think it's powerful. Some of the stuff you're saying there, because. <clears throat> it actually reminds me of I don't know if you've seen the round table of some really um, some really influential actors that happened a few years ago. People like um, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro, uh, Jamie mm. Fox. I think was there. <clears throat> Adam Sandler. And it was quite a powerful room, and you know they made it into a, a sort of a learning table, like a mastermind. There was an interview going on, and and they had to talk about at the end one of the things that they thought was a good uh, sort of piece of information to impart. And Tom Hanks said. Um, this too shall pass. And he explained it in the way that, almost like what you're saying there, before your last point there, which is this too shall pass is is something you should always think about. You know, you should try to remain calm when things are going really well. And you should try to remain stable when things are going badly, because this too shall pass. When something bad's happening, it will pass. When something good's happening, it will pass. And you can always keep yourself in the middle of, you know, what's almost called a sound wave theory. Where we're going up and down, we're seeing peaks and troughs in our mm. emotions, So keeping ourselves steady is, is it sounds boring, but it's sort of the healthiest way to go through life, isn't it? You're trying to keep yourself centered. I think it's mm. I think it's quite relevant. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your your very recent journey, so the last few years, and when you changed from you know uh, employment into you know your own journey, and how how you faced the challenges there.
1: For sure, that's um, that was a really like key aspect of my life because I, so what happened about 10 years ago is that my mother passed away and I had like grown up inside of the family business, which is care homes. And when she passed away, I stepped up uh, along with my dad to take over the business and to to help running it. But it was never truly my passion to, to to be running a, um, a residential care home. And I was like, you know, naive, naivety was like, oh, you know, one year, two years, I'll turn this around. <laughs> said, I'll turn this around. I'll be like back onto my own thing, you know, before, you know, before, before long. However, that wasn't the truth. And some years later, I think it was up until like 2016. I was like sitting in the office thinking, how did I get here? And I felt like really stuck. And what I learned from that point onwards was about my capacity for self-leadership and the importance of authority, like self-authority in life, because that's what was missing from me was it wasn't that I lacked the ability to do anything. It was that I didn't have a belief and trust in myself that I could do what I wanted to do in the way that I wanted to do it. And the journey that I've been on since then, it was about finding my self-authority and trusting my own instincts. So when I talk to you about like the personal development courses, like these really helped me to develop that awareness. One of the, let's say, more negative aspects of like how I was thinking and becoming aware of that. And then when I talk to you about joy, actually finding what my joy is, but also embracing that, because for a lot of people, that just sounds balmy. It's like what do you mean I can do what I love like that's you know that's just that's just for like the very few people that, that exist on this planet but what I've learned is actually when you're when you trust yourself and you I mean look we all have one life to to live and and it's like you know you make of it what you will and when you when you trust yourself and you follow your path you start creating like I wasn't a movie maker when I started this journey I had no I had no background in film and at this point, as I am today, I'm I'm working with two different filmmakers who, from taking this path, like I started making connections. I started going out there and just following my instincts until I arrived at this point where... I now have uh, like designs. I got the sh- I got a um, I got a shop up. I've got a little book that I've written. The website looks beautiful. It really communicates the idea. I got a little workshop I'm working on to teach uh, young children of uh, like ten age ten upwards about emotions using this construct. And you know I'm doing a little podcast tour, right? So so it's like it's amazing what one can do when they actually align with their truth. And start to go for their life in a way with courage and say, I can do this. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean it's uh, it's amazing. you, you can speak with so much authenticity that you know the journey is obviously one that you're passionate about, like you say, and, and you know you ultimately will, will get there if you're on that hundred percent path that you, you know you can complete it, it's incredible. Um it must have been a difficult place to to have worked in the care homes, you know, so it can be a hard place, I'm sure. So what were the takeaways from working there? That made you understand where your journey needed to go and what your truth was.
1: Mm. So, as you ask me that question, for some reason, the thing that comes up for me to, to mention at this point is about resilience and and, and uh, adaptability in life. And I think that's one of my like one of my gifts, one of my talents as well. Is um, and it it actually comes from a point of play. And when I say play, I mean so i love a sport called parkour and i don't know if you've heard of it a free running they actually have it in in dubai as well right? yeah, yeah. free running dubai yeah and um and the, the funny thing about that is that is all about finding the quickest path from a to b and finding your way around challenges and so so for me in life like everything that i've been exposed to like even you know running a care home during the pandemic I was always, like, the first thing that always, like, jumped up for me as a, as a key thing in life was, like, I have to find a way forward. Like, I have to keep moving and I have to find a way forward. And no matter what challenges I'm faced with, I have this inherent belief that this is the way you go. You adapt. You, you know, there's obstacles. And I've heard someone else say this, which is, like, the obstacle is the way. So, like, for me in life in general, like, this is how I see things. I see things as everything is part of our life. So, you know, if you set out to create a business, any challenge that you face along the way, that's become part of the challenge. And um, to touch on something you just said, you know, surely I will get to where I I want to get to in regards if I keep doing it. Right. But in truth, I'm already there in a sense because I am doing it. And this is the part of life where we create the things that we wish to create. And the end result is wonderful. and, And that's what we want. But the joy is in the moment. The joy is in living our lives in alignment with the way we want to do it. So, yeah, these are all these different aspects of what I've learned over the last 10 years. And I, and I think um, really, if I was to sum up everything I just said there, is getting in touch with what my natural talents and abilities are and using those as opposed to trying to copy other people. And that's the journey I've really been on is one of mastering my own abilities, as opposed to thinking, oh, I need to do what this person's doing or what that was person's doing. So I study courses, fine, and I learn from other people, fine. However, I then have to assimilate that and go, what's, you know, what works for me?
0: Yeah, I mean, when you were talking about parkour there, they told that story straight after. i was just thinking that it's such a good analogy because, you know, parkour inherently is, like you say, fastest from point A to point B not necessarily the best route you should travel it's not going to be the easiest route you should travel but it's the one that's the path and the truth that you should take if you want to be the best parkour athlete Mm. is there is there is there a journey that parkour has taken you on you You know as a sport as a community how did you get into it
1: man that's a you have no idea what kind of question you just asked (laughs) there. because i've had uh so the funny thing is for me is i've always loved parkour and i've loved movement but The way my life has gone is I've also had sciatica. And in a way, what then has happened is my parkour philosophy and my sciatica have combined in a way for me to appreciate what it takes to really overcome obstacles. Because then even internally as a health thing that obviously I don't want to have sciatica. And it obviously Mm -hmm. takes me out of doing parkour to the level which I, I would love to do it. But what it has taught me is, again, it's about adaptability, about resilience. It's about acceptance about, of things in life. Uh, to go back to your question, though, was like, how did I get into it? I saw a movie called Yamakaze, and um, it was about the original parkour group in France. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find what the actual sport was called. But for some reason, I was just enamored by the fact that humans could do this. Like we can jump on concrete and we can land. And and um, and it really spoke into my value of freedom and this idea that I love to be free and love to move in a free way. And of course, um, watching Jackie Chan movies growing up. <laughs> so so all of these things really led me to, what it became like an obviousness that I would do something at like parkour. That's brilliant.
0: Coming back to um, sort of the coaching and the artistic side, you know, I'd love to know a bit more around when someone works with you, you know, there's, there's lots of people that work with you. So you've got the data now of, of what the most common problems are. And then what are some of the challenges that you think people come to you with that are ones that are most prominent in the, in the modern, um, I was going modern man, I'm going to say modern man, because you know you inherently work with men, your mission is to help men with their, with their issues. What's something you, you often see?
1: Mm. Yeah, I'd say the main things, the first thing that jumps to my mind is what I would class as the lack of initiation. So for a lot of a lot of men and uh, young men especially, there is no sense of initiation in the world. And what I mean by that is there is no clear definition between what it is to be a boy and then to become a man. And so then for a lot of us, we're, and this was very much true for me, I had to essentially self-initiate. I had to find my way. And uh, so for a lot of us, it's like lacking in our trust and our abilities to just be who we are and like actually stand inside of like, this is who I am. And this is how I want to show up in the world and to follow that. And the the detrimental effect of that is really feeling lost, really feeling disconnected, lost, uh, stressed, anxious, because we're not in alignment with how we're really feeling inside and expressing ourselves in a way in which is true. So I'd say that would be a core underlying issue for, for a lot of young men uh, today.
0: And do you think there's been a, a detrimental impact of modern day technology upon that? Because you're talking there about, you know, the, mm. the, not being able to define the difference between a man and a boy, um, in a similar way that, you know, people used to get a lot more from, their, <clears throat> from society, I guess, that has now been removed. They do less, uh, less socialising, less communicating, you know, maybe less physical activity, less manual labor, they now try and get a lot more from work. And then there's been a lot more pressure on corporate culture because people expect more from the workplace. That's where they spend their time. The rest of the time they're at home, they're watching Netflix on their phones. So do you think that there has been a detrimental effect of that trans, that I guess, movement through, um, well, since the Industrial Revolution, I guess, it's completely changed?
1: Yeah, the, the again, like for me, what I what I feel is an issue with a lot of this stuff, because I love technology. I actually studied computer science um, at university. I've always loved tech, and I think, you know, what we can achieve with technology is amazing. I love it, right? However, at the same time, what I can see is a major issue is the addictive side, which has been baked into a lot of the technology. And so that, I feel, is something that, a lot of us as humans we're not we're not designed to deal with and that becomes a problem because then you're now faced with an issue that you're probably blaming yourself for which is actually more of an addiction that you now need to learn how to manage that and i actually wrote a tweet about this where i said it was like whether it's social media coffee or drugs like you have to learn to manage your own addiction no one else is going to do that for you you know no one and you think about it like no one's going to care if you can't manage that. And, and the problem is with that is that we just don't have the awareness to, to recognize. So I'm fortunate that I grew up in the 80s. I, I'm an 84 child, 1984. So I was just before technology came in. And so I'm aware of the world without tech and how wonderful it can be. So I can, I can walk the line, but I feel like there are people today who this is just how it is. And so they get more and more like sucked into this world and then less and less, as you say, connected to real people. And even that confidence to let's say let's let's pick dating, for example. Um, My father told me this wonderful story about how he met my mom, which is he heard her voice on a telephone and he went over to the house where, where she was living and just to, just to find out who she was, right? Contra- contrast that with today where you want to read a bio, you want to see three or four pictures, a video, you know what I mean? Like, and then you're not happy, you're like, swipe. <laughs> it's just like onto the next. And I feel like, again, it's when you have awareness, you can like play with these things and you can be like, all right, I'm going to challenge myself. But with no awareness, you're just sucked into the, into the use, like in the use of, of it and uh, relying on it
0: yeah that's that's really interesting and that's it's funny to say the story about your your mom and dad because that it almost sounds i'm my 95 baby but you know it sounds like a film nowadays doesn't it that sounds like almost like a joke like laugh because we're like no they didn't they didn't speak over the phone as their first day I can't. You know, it's, it's changed so much hasn't it it's, it's incredible yeah. and obviously especially i think i don't know if it's worldwide but i think the uk the the suicide rates for men are, are incredibly high and I, i've just changed that completely from a nice story into you know a
1: horrible no, but, it's fact. True.
0: but you know i think what you're trying to work on your, your mission here is incredibly powerful when it targets a problem that is massive in the world isn't it and it's, it's something that needs to be spoken about more often i think it's really cool that you're bringing in you know your own stories so like you said you're being incredibly authentic and vulnerable there um and and talking about how you've become started this journey um, i think i think it's i think it's really really cool and, and i want to touch on your environment so I'm really interested in environments, how they, how, they, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how they dictate performance, for lack of a better word. They, they have a massive impact on how you work, your, your mental health, your physical well-being. Um, so, so how does your environment impact you and your, your daily habits?
1: For me, I, I like to keep things quite flexible. And I, and I guess that speaks into my, the way, again, in which I like to function. So I have my, um, my, I do everything on my laptop and I've got my iPad and these two, these, these two devices are the things that I use the most. But then at the same time, uh, especially more recently, when I've, when I've begun dealing with more complex um, challenges, I also like to go back to like whiteboards. So I've got a couple of like whiteboards on, on my wall and I like to like map things out. And I like to have information available to me but in a a way in which I can engage with it. So I'm somewhere between minimalist and uh, and having the information that I need to hand because I feel like you create, well, I create goals, we create goals, and then, you know, life kind of takes over. So I need something that I can hook back into as a structure and go, Mm -hmm. okay, that's what I'm doing. Like even behind me, actually, you can just see a, a vision board. And that's something I've been doing since 2013. And again, because it's a structure that uh, over the years, I've seen the power of it. It's just like, it just sits there and reminds me throughout the year, this is what I said I was going to do.
0: Oh, wow. I'd love to hear a bit more about that. So you, you've created a lot of people who are listening to audio only. It's a thin black frame, a piece of art on the wall. And all this, you know, you're going to thought through it better than me. I can see that it's sort of, oh, I see, Okay. it's your 2023 vision board is everything you would like to do this year
1: essentially yeah so what i learned about vision boards and this could be a whole podcast in it's in its own but what i learned about vision boards is well when you think about branding and advertising right like you um just like pick pick something that you enjoy are you drinking water out of a particular bottle there right like Mm -hmm. so if we didn't see these things on a regular basis we wouldn't even know they existed and so for me, and it, and it actually speaks into the whole thing with using art and media to, to engage the younger people, is uh, I very much believe like what we see becomes our reality. And so if you see something again and again and you resonate with it, then it sticks in your psyche. So whether you want to think of it as like something as esoteric, as like attracting things, or quite logical as, oh, I've seen that again and again, so your brain just thinks about it in the background that's the whole concept for me with vision boards and so what's actually there and i just showed you it like in its entirety but what's actually on there it may look like a big mess but there's a structure and the structure is daily weekly monthly quarterly uh six monthly end of year and then um big dreams and so then i pick images that relate to those to goals that fit into those categories and um, what i actually do now is i find them on google i send them off to a printer get them printed they come to me I cut them out and I stick them onto a big onto a, a big um, a that a2 piece of paper and I frame it and I and I put it in my house so that's something that I see every day and it just reminds me like so for example on the daily it was like drink water every day because last year I had a terrible job and it didn't help my sciatica and like even now got water and yeah. for people on the audio thing I'm showing a bottle of water <laughs> but, <laughs> But but that's the thing. It's like you know, it's like obviously it's a goal, and obviously it's important to me. And but it just reminds me this is important to me. This is what I want.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it it actually reminds me of of school. At school, you remember doing a test where they they tell you what kind of learner you are, whether you're visual, or you have to do something, or you read something. It's just I'm sure there's scientific fact behind it. Of course there is. But I think I came off as like a, a reading learner and. You know, mm. now I know that I'm a hundred percent a visual learner. So, <laughs> you know, and maybe that's, that's changed because of like that you know, I spoke about earlier, you know, you have to see so much these days, obviously you read as well, but seeing that behind you is it not only draws your attention, but it also, I can see the journey across. I can see what you're trying to do. Is that something that you talk to your, your clients about doing, having that visual reminder of, of what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go?
1: So again, like I always say, like everyone's unique. So it depends on how that person is and, and you know, where they're at and what they want to do. But for me personally, it's like like I've discovered certain things that work really well for me. So being visual, like having a vision board really helps me throughout the year, sticks to my goals. And, and so what, what I also find, which you're probably going to love, is I find year on year, when I do a little audit at the end of the year, I'd say easily 70% of what's on that board gets achieved. So, and, and it's, it's wild, right? And when you think about that, right, it's just a board and it, it just sits there doing, you know, nothing active about it other than, but I do have it, I'll have it on my phone. I, like I'll have the, um, a picture of it on my phone and a picture of it on my iPad, so on and so forth. So I see it. Um, and there are certain tools that I use like that and mind mapping and other things that I may recommend to clients, but it really depends on what their particular um, type of learning is, like you were saying. Mm. I really like it. It reminds
0: me of um, a guy who was on the podcast recently, Sebastian Bates, who he did a talk for, for dent is another uh, business Mm. company. Um, And the talk he mentioned, if it's getting, if it's, if it's on paper, it's getting done. And it's a similar thing, you know, from seeing that. that's what hits me. If it's, if it's gone onto your vision board, it's taken some investment of time and money to create that. It's then sat on your wall, your phone, your iPad, your computer for the whole year, there's probably no better reminder. Other than someone telling you every single day, have you done that, have you done that? Which I'm sure yeah. would be ridiculous. That is a, such a good way of just saying, this is the journey I'm on this year. And you know, goal setting for me is really important. I think if you don't if you don't have a goal, there's no chance of getting there, which sounds mm. obvious, but it's easier said than done to not make that goal, but like, oh, we'll get there, it's fine. And you forget it, you overlap it. And if you set a goal, you can overachieve. Um, and I think it was, I think it was Alex or Mosey who you said, uh, if you, you set a goal you can overachieve it if you overachieve it you can outwork self-doubt and i think that's you know i think it's mm. it's quite a cool thing to, to think about that sort mm. of idea of just keep going like we spoke about earlier 100 percent but having that reminder i think i think that's really really cool so what are some of the other tips that you can give us for uh that you would use with your clients around you know trying to improve our lives improve happiness keep joy and remove fear
1: mm. okay. I guess the main thing is that, and again, something that I've really come to learn, but I, I believe is true for all humans, is that imagination and like what you were kind of saying there is actually a tool. Uh, like when you, when you create a goal, that's something that you've imagined. And a lot of people don't think about that, but what we imagine in our minds can then become real. So, like, airplanes weren't a thing until someone imagined it and then started working on it, All right. And and so to take the the phrase from Sebastian Bates, if it's not on paper, it's not happening, but you take something from your imagination and you start actually working on it, then it becomes a reality. And you don't need to know how. That's the, I think that, that's the, the biggest tip of life is you, you never actually need to know how you're going to do something. You just need to start. And of course, you and then you as you start, you then start to learn and figure out. And you may have an idea, but in truth, it's only when you get going do you actually figure out what the how really is. Mm. So, so the tip really is like get in touch with your imagination, get in touch with the things that actually spark your interest and your curiosity. Because that old um, phrase of like you need to find something that you love doing, like it's a hundred percent true, like because if you don't. Love what you're doing, or you're not in somehow um, connected to to being passionate about it. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be so tough because business is tough, creating is tough, and challenges in life are tough. So the only way to overcome that is to to work on something that's meaningful to you in such a way that you're never going to give up on it. You're just going to keep going until you figure out how it works. Mm,
0: I completely agree. One of the things that we do here in our in our company, Studio New when we take on a new client we the first thing we do is we go and do an interview with them and, and they sometimes think why are you interviewing me and i'm thinking about you as a designer as this outsour- outsourced service mm-hmm. but we do a, we do a, an interview and it's about them because people you know people in Dubai they want luxury they want something that they can show to other people as a as a, as a great design this is what they've had done mm-hmm. so we want to talk to them about their passions you know what makes them tick what are their stresses what are their worries their pain points but actually what are their passions what are their pleasures? How can we incorporate that into this design that's not only gonna make it look nice, but it's gonna benefit them massively? It's similar to what you're saying there, you have know. got to look a little bit deeper, find your imagination, but it has to be from you, it has to be from what you actually believe, not what you've seen online, not what someone's told you that is you know is on trend. It's gotta be mm-hmm. from within you. And that's like you say that you've said that multiple times, is all about you. It's very different person to person. I think that's really important there's a lot of humans on the on the earth right now and we're all a bit different so yeah, yeah. yeah i want to talk to you a little bit about um about pressure so pressure i think is something that you know a lot of people suffer with um, a lot of people have mm. to try and deal with how do you handle pressure what are your what are your methods
1: mm. so yeah i, I guess i've um, i've learned a lot of different things about it and in my world and the way that i understand it now there's two types of of uh, like let's say stress right you, and i'm sure you've heard this sort of thing before right you've got distress and you've got eustress so distress is when you're just like oh my god like this is really painful this is really typical and then you've got eustress which is like i'm working towards something i'm really passionate about and the trick that i've learned over time is to um what's the right word is to transform from one to the other so to first become aware that, oh, okay, I've hit a point here that I'm stressed about something or my mind is fixated on a problem. And then to reorientate my mind towards what it is that I'm actually trying to create. Like, what is it that I would love to create? And refocus on that. And in a way, so when, when, I, when I learned all this stuff, what they call this, they call this alchemy. Because you're transmutating something negative into something positive from lead into gold. And in that way, it's magic. And they say, magicians don't fix problems, they make the problem disappear. And so the way in which you do that is by actually reorientating your mind towards what it is that you're trying to create in the end, as opposed to the problems that arise along the way, because there's always problems. So just to give a quick example, I had a friend who was looking to sell a house, and he had some tenants. And at one point, he had a real issue get it, getting them to leave. They were like, oh, they can't leave and you know, cost of living crisis and this and that. And they were like, oh, we're looking for a place, but et cetera, et cetera. Right. A common story uh, in some ways. And, uh, and I said to him, yeah, but you know, you don't have to worry about that. He's like, oh, but if they don't leave, it's going to cause issues. I was like, yeah, but to be honest, like you don't have to worry about that because you in, your end result is at some point you want to sell this house. Mm. And, um, and so them, leaving has to resolve inside of you going for this end result. It will figure itself out. And lo and behold, at some point later, and after much stress on his side, <laughs> <after> <laughs> stress, they did end up leaving. Right. And then his stress moved on to something else. Right. He became stressed about some other factor. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, the story how they left is, is largely irrelevant, but like it, it did resolve. like, And and that's the thing is, so that's, that for me is, is uh, to to summarize again is to, first recognize that I'm stressed about something. I'm not I'm not just like suppressing it. I'm like, okay, this is something I'm stressed about. And then reminding myself, hang on, what is it that I'm trying to create? Because normally what the brain does is it goes, okay, this is a problem, how do we fix that? Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden you've gone, I'm gonna create this, but now you're not You're not focused on that. You're focused on how to fix a problem, which has got nothing to do with, well, it's got something to, to do with what you're trying to do. But actually what you're trying to do is that bigger thing so by reorientating yourself to what it is you're trying to do then the rest of it you'll find a way it it it, um it resolves i really like it i think that's really really
0: really thought-provoking stuff um i want to almost juxtapose that with uh with courage the idea of courage so when you're in a position where you feel like you know you haven't done nothing you need to make a change in your life you need to you know do anything really i guess how do
1: you or where do you build courage from Hmm. I think one of the the phrases that has really stood out to me, uh, is about this, this thing of, um, hard times make good men and good times make weak men. And the reason why I'm saying that is one of like, I've had a lot of experiences in this last year, um, and things that have really, anyone would have forgiven me for like going off the rails or whatever with like difficult challenges and whatnot, real like emotional, dramatic stuff. And, and what what I found was through the pain of the experience, I actually was able to propel myself into a new way of being. And so what I've discovered is like pain is not inherently bad. Often stress, worries, pain points, frustrations, they are like the fuel for us to make huge changes in our life because we're just like, oh, this doesn't work. This does not work for me. And so often we're trying to placate such experiences or not even the experience, the emotion of the experience. We're trying to avoid pain when in fact pain is a thing that sometimes or not even sometimes, can, if we can accept the situation for what it is and then seek a way forward, then pain can become something that actually creates huge, huge change in our life. Mm, I like
0: it. I mean, it comes back to the, the saying, the, it's almost cringy to say it now, but diamonds are made under pressure, right? You've got to you've got to make sure that there's a bit of stress in your life, if you can manage it, to to have these life lessons that can take us all forward. If life was easy, we'd all be blobs, wouldn't we? That's the truth of it.
1: <laughs> well <laughs> we're seeing that now, right? You you mentioned about the technology. Someone made a really interesting point about um, about electric cars and and how like in parts of africa you know you've got kids as young as 10 digging for like these little bits of metal and cobalt and stuff to make the batteries and then meanwhile us in the first world we're like yay we've got these cars that drive themselves and and we live in this life where it's becoming less and less meaningful in a sense right and it's just like uh, i think i saw this on a joe rogan uh joe rogan podcast snippet and um and it just makes you realize that difficulty in life is not bad it mm. uh, it actually it, it gives your life character it gives your life color and it gives you a story otherwise like you say we'd just be these amoebas we wouldn't <laughs> there'd be no yeah. point to do anything
0: i actually i actually read a thing today talking about um open ai and chat gpt uh, mm. and there's these people obviously that have been trying to use it in the last two or three weeks and for those who don't know chat gpt is like a, it's an ai that can effectively do any content for you so you can ask it a question it can become your, you can tell it's, you know, it's going to be your PA and it can do anything. It can write LinkedIn posts, blogs, articles, anything. You can try it out. And, you know, content writers have been using it for three weeks straight now and they're being asked now to write an actual blog. Go back to actually write a blog in the morning, please. Like a proper handwritten one. And they're struggling because it's very, mm. it's very easy to use something that does something for you. Like we've seen in the past so many times, loads of innovations. And, and you forget or your brain ceases to be able to do the things that used to do because we have to practice to keep things permanent and relevant um yeah. i'm not saying that you shouldn't be progressing forward with technology obviously it's something yeah. that's going to be with us forever now but to your point it's just the fact that that strain on our brains and, and our in our lives completely creates us really doesn't it there's another another example is um i don't know if you've seen these little glass little glass sort of um pots that people grow trees in them and yeah. what happens is they put the, they put the glass pot over this sort of vivarium, I guess, and they try to grow a small um, a small forest or whatever. But what they don't show you is that if you put the pot on straight away, the tree will just bend over. If you leave it off and it takes the wind for a little bit, it gets straight it gets stronger because it needs that sort of um, you know that resistance or that stimulation to, to grow strong. I think that's a really interesting sort mm. of side point. Anyway. Let me move forward. <laughs> I've got some quick thoughts for you, Ahmed. I won't let you respond yeah. to that one. <laughs> we'll, move, we'll move on.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, it's a good... I've, I've heard this, this uh, quite before about trees and wind resistance. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'd love a book recommendation from you, if you've got one to mind, something that the audience would resonate with from what we've spoken about.
1: Mm. Well, something that I came across recently, which I love, because it really gives my concept uh, scientific backing, is this uh, concept of internal family systems. And it's, um, you're gonna have to Google it, but because the, the, I've forgotten the, the author's name, but the, the book that I bought, he's written a few uh, books about this, and he spent about 20 to 40 years um, doing clinical studies on this concept. And so the book is called No Bad Parts. And it talks about how internally, we've all created uh, created different aspects of our personality to protect mm. us. And when we can actually communicate with these different aspects, then it like if there's something that like, we have a bad habit that we just find we can't get rid of, there's often this part of us, and it kind of speaks into what you were saying earlier about having anxiety about something, writing it down, going back and answering the question. You can actually communicate with this part of yourself and find out like what is it trying to protect. And and I played around with this idea, and, it, and it's phenomenal. It's like there is parts of us that exist in a way that tries to protect us. And then what you can then have the conversation with, you can, you can speak to it and then say, well, if you didn't have to do that, what would you do? And then that part of you actually communicates back. And it's all in this, it's all in this book. Uh, so the one that I have is called No Bad Parts and it's on Amazon and, and all over the place, but yeah. Amazing. To add that
0: to the, to the wish list on uh, Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, what about this one? So how often do you change or adapt your environment to suit your needs? How, I guess how aware are you of your environment is the question.
1: Mm. Um, I mean, for me, like I said, I like to, what's interesting for me is I found that I'm someone that creates as I move. So sitting still for too long, I become a bit stagnant, even in my creativity. So the being able to, to be uh, fluid with like, okay, I'm here right now working on this. Once I feel myself getting a bit stagnant, I'll switch. To something else so I might go sit in a different place or I might go like I still work with the care home I'll go to the care home check that out um, last year I spent quite a bit of time in Mauritius is where my family are from and again that all fed into my creativity in different ways and um, it keeps me on my toes so for me environment and different environments bring out different things in me like I, I also found in Mauritius that I was a lot more relaxed given the environment but that relaxation made me way more productive in a weird way
0: i mean Mauritius would make me relax, probably but yeah it's a really interesting way of looking at it. actually that not only just the change of environment or, or you know adapting what you have but it's actually just knowing that this kind of environment makes me better at this and this this i think it's a really good way of looking at it do you have a quote that inspires you that you, that you refer back to
1: a quote that inspires me that i refer back to I forget who says this, but it's one that I've always remembered. And it's that you can tell a man's most pervasive thought that he's held in his life by the character of his face. And that has always stuck with me. So, yeah, the the, the one pervasive thought that a man has held for most of his life, you can tell that just on the character of his face.
0: Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> um, the next one I have for you is... Um... If you had one full free day, how would you
1: spend it? If I had one full free day, mm, I guess for me, my my biggest love is people. So being like and spending time with my friends and my family connected, um, having some sort of fun experience, but spending time with people for sure.
0: Really nice. Do you have one last piece of um, device or something that the audience can ponder? but it's sort of to do with with what you're you're working on, your your wider mission. What can they do to to take themselves forward?
1: Hmm. You can cut out some of this silence. (laughs) Make make it seem like I came straight to the point. But I'm thinking it's something around, I guess for me, the the main thing is about self-actualization. Like, are we living our fullest potential and, you know, are there parts of you that you are not accepting or things that you'd love to do that you're not accepting, but would actually make a profound impact to your life. And to just add a bit to that is like, I feel like a lot of people, they find things like art or play. The idea of play doesn't have to just mean parkour or, you know, drawing pictures, Mm -hmm. but it could be, music um it could be collecting stamps it could be whatever but this aspect of us um that likes to just experiment and play in life i feel is like such a big thing
0: yeah it's a nice question it's good one for people to think about um what have you got coming up what's your next three to six months look like what are you working on
1: so for me the next three months is really like going hard on uh, spreading the message building out the concepts that i have working on the um so i got a short story concept that i'm currently working on and then there's also a, um, a film script that i'm currently working on in the background while i while i continue to develop the message and my own personal brand so yeah i'm just that's that's me for the first like three months of this year just going hard on that
0: awesome and how can people find you What's as best way to connect with you
1: The best way, I suppose, right now, what I would love is for people to go to shookman.com, S-H-O-O-K-M-A-N. And there, it's very simple. You can download a copy of my book, which is filled with illustrations and art, and it talks all about what I've been sharing today. Amazing.
0: Ahmed, it's been really, really good to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us, and all the best for the rest of the year.
1: Thanks so much, Freddie.